Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. This episode is very meaningful and very interesting because my guest is Jean Shafarov, who is fashion icon, philanthropist, TV host, and best-selling author. Also, Jean is known as the first lady of philanthropy. So in this episode, Jean will be sharing her story on how she decided to switch from a career on the Wall Street to full-time philanthropy. We will also be discussing how you can make a difference and how you can become a philanthropist, what challenges can you face, what lessons can you learn, what areas are in the most need right now, and how we can help. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Jean. Thank you so much for being my guest. I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Olya, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak to you and then to speak to your listeners. Oh, thank you so much for being my guest. And would you please tell us more about yourself? Sure. As you know, my name is Jean Shafaroff. I am a woman very involved in philanthropy. I serve on many charity boards. I'm also an activist. I'm a writer. And I also host a TV show called Successful Philanthropy. And that's just a little bit about what I do. I'm a mother and I'm married to a man. I've been in a relationship with my husband for many, many years. Right now, I'm living on the eastern end of Long Island with my family. We are here. Normally, we are in New York City, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we have changed our location and that's so that we could all live together. Yeah, so many people right now are just moving away from the city or just staying somewhere safe. Totally understand you. Yes, our, our lives are really on hold in certain ways. Many of the things that I used to do, many of the things that most of us used to do, the little travel and then going out to big charity events and hosting large parties in my home and elsewhere, all of that is over now for the time being. and. But I'm hopeful that once we get through this, we'll all go back to our normal lives. Of course, there's been tremendous suffering. It's, it's been a hard time for so many Americans and so many people around the world. And we really need to support one another and show compassion and, and also get involved in helping. My way of getting involved has been through my charities and also by being a spokesperson for different causes. And I can go into more of that later if you'd like me to. Yeah, definitely. We will go through this later. You have an impressive and amazing stories. What are you done? And so many great causes that you supported. 
And how did you decide to switch from career on Wall Street to full-time philanthropy? Yes, well, I had gone to Columbia University as an undergraduate and got a degree in physical therapy from a specific division of Columbia, the College of Physicians and Surgeons. And I had worked in an inner city hospital, St. Luke's Hospital in New York City for one year. Then I decided to go back to school and get an MBA at Columbia. I majored in finance and started working on Wall Street. A little while later, I got married to my husband, who I'm still married to. We started a family about a year and a half later. I was working very, very long hours on Wall Street, and so was my husband. He's a Wall Street professional as well. And I was in a situation where no one was home to take care of my daughter. I had a housekeeper or a nanny, and the problem was I was getting home from work at nine or 10 o'clock at night, and my husband was doing the same. And so one of us had to decide whether we would give up a career. And my husband, more being more senior than I and more involved in a career, we decided together that I would stop working and be an at-home mother. And that was what I did. And as I look back, I have no regrets. Sometimes I think, well, I wonder where I'd be now if I still had that Wall Street career. Maybe I'm sure my life would have changed very dramatically. Maybe I wouldn't even be married any longer. Who knows? But I decided to stay home and take care of my first daughter who was born, Jackie, and then the next daughter. And as I look back, I'm grateful for that. And of course, I had quite a bit of time on my hands and slowly got involved in philanthropy by first getting involved with my daughter's schools by being a class mother. And that not only afforded me an opportunity to volunteer at the school, but it also gave me a chance to see what was going on at school and to see how my daughter was doing in school. And I loved doing that. And then later on, I got involved with a few different charities and then more involved with the school. When my oldest daughter was in eighth grade, I decided to get involved with their annual fund. And what is an annual fund for a school? Well, that's a campaign to raise money for the school. And when your children go to school, I think it's very important if you have the time to get involved with the school and show how much you care because these teachers and educators are really giving up their lives in many ways to educate and to be with your child. And so as a parent, it's a nice thing to help with the schools, I believe. And then as, I, as time went on and as my daughters got older, I, I did spend a lot of time at home helping them with the homework and everything else. As my time freed up, I got more and more involved with philanthropy and more charities. And I'm very glad I did because it's been a very fulfilling time for me. There's an expression, when you give, you get. And that means when you get involved in giving your time, your knowledge, and then, of course, your available resources. And that's what a philanthropist does. You give time, knowledge, and available resources. You also receive. And what do you receive in return, you receive many, many rewards because when you make others happy, you make yourself happy. It's extremely rewarding. Yeah, I think so too. And Wall Street, it's very tough. And I'm glad you chose this path. And I definitely, the same way, I love to give all the time. And 
I always donate and I always share and I always help people around me. It actually gives me lots of joy because when I make someone happy, it makes me happy too. It makes us very happy to give. And so you could argue that giving is selfish because the giver is receiving. But I think life is about being useful to society, I believe. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your life. Yes, we should do that. It's fine to have a nice home and to have creature comforts. But if you have great comfort or even a little comfort, it's so important to try to help those that are in need. And right now with the pandemic going on, there's enormous need throughout the world. And anyone who is able to volunteer their time, maybe you don't have the money right now, but if you can give your time, it's a great thing to do. And I actually wrote a book about philanthropy. The name of it is called Successful Philanthropy, How to Make a Life by What You Give. And the introduction was written by Georgina Bloomberg. She's a young philanthropist, the daughter of Michael Bloomberg, one of the greatest living philanthropists. And this book explains how important philanthropy is and how anyone can be a philanthropist merely by giving their time and knowledge. And of course, I believe that anyone who has resources, financial resources, has an obligation to do so. Now, if you're starting and you're in your first job, no one expects you to take your paycheck and give the entire thing away, but you can start by giving small amounts. Regarding time, if you're working full-time and you have a family, you may not have much spare time at all, but even an hour a month is a start. But even if you don't have that, when, when you do have the time, you can give it. But there's always something, some little thing we can do. And people don't realize that just being kind to others can be the start of their life of philanthropy. And especially now, we are seeing so many people with no job at all, and they're losing hope. It's not good. It's a difficult time for really hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people across the world. Those of us who can, just by showing a little kindness or getting on the phone and calling someone, showing some compassion, well, that's the beginning step of being a philanthropist. Because when you're giving and reaching out to others, you are ultimately improving this world and, and helping somebody in need. So I say to so many people, you don't have a lot of time right now, I understand. You don't have a lot of financial resources, I understand. Then show little acts of kindness and you will be helping. And so that's what we can all do. I couldn't agree more with you. That's so true. You know, you may have a neighbor who doesn't have enough food right now. If you don't want to embarrass them, you could just load up a small bag of groceries and leave it on their doorstep. And they don't have to know it came from you. Of course, be careful. You don't want them to think you're coming to um, disturb them. But or do something like that. And little acts of kindness. You don't need to be recognized, but just do a few things like that. And I think you'll feel very good about it. Yeah, I think so too. And you were named First Lady of Philanthropy. What is the story behind it? Yes, well, a few years ago, I had a feature in Ola magazine, 
and then Hello Magazine. And I believe it was 2018, the first feature. And so I had been approached by the magazine by a wonderful man to do a feature on me. And of course, initially I was a little concerned because I wondered whether this would be a positive thing. And I did a little research and looked and saw this was a beautiful magazine. It's actually the largest print magazine in the world, Ola Magazine. And so they came to my home and they took photographs of me in my home. And after that, they interviewed me or this gentleman, Rodolfo Calderon, interviewed me and he asked about my book and then all the different charity boards that I was on. He also looked at my social media and I have a very large Instagram following. Also, I'm very active on Facebook and Twitter. And he wrote up a story. In this story for Ola Magazine, they called me the first lady of philanthropy. And this story went around the world. It was published in, I want to say about 30 different countries. Then from Ola Magazine, it was published in Hello Magazine, which is the English version. And that went into publication in many, many different countries, England, India, and all over again. And they called me the first lady of philanthropy. Well, when they called me the first lady of philanthropy in the United States, I immediately emailed Rodolfo, the writer, and I said, well, I think that title really should be reserved for someone like Melinda Gates. He listened, and when they wrote it up in Low Magazine, they switched it to First Lady of New York. And I lived with that, and I replied to him, and I said, well, I think there are many First Ladies of New York. And he said, well, you bring so much visibility to all of your causes. That's why we've elected to give you this name. And then this title has stuck, and so different magazine features, and I've been on the cover of a number of magazines, many magazines here in the New York area, and for some reason they like that title, so I like it too. And now I have a TV show called Successful Philanthropy. It's here on the eastern end of Long Island in the Hamptons, and it's televised four times a week. And who do I interview? I interview different philanthropic leaders, people that run charities, international charities, and then local charities. And then I'm also interviewing personalities. Most recently, I interviewed Brock Pierce. He's running for president of the United States on the independent ticket. Now, he's generally not in the Hamptons, but I had met him at an event out here and I asked if I could interview him. And he said, well, I'll be back next week. And yes, you can interview me. And I followed up. And sure enough, he came into the studio and, and I interviewed him. And he's on the ballot in 15 different states. His name is Brock Pierce. And it was a very interesting interview. He's a billionaire in the Bitcoin world. He was a child actor and now he's running for president. He's only eight, 38 years old. And then I've interviewed Lloyda Lewis. She was married. She's a, a woman originally born in the Philippines. She was married to the first black man to run a billion dollar company in the United States. His name was Reginald Lewis. That interview is going to start airing this Wednesday. The, the company he ran was Beatrice Foods. So that was a very exciting interview because she's Asian and she was the first Asian woman to pass or the New York bar. And so she made history and 
It was a great interview. So I'm, I'm in, I'm also interviewing the heads of charities. I've interviewed many, many different groups, and it's very exciting. The Stony Brook Southampton Hospital, I interviewed them. I interviewed the American Folk Art Museum, the head of that museum. And many of these interviews not aired yet. I to interview different celebrities, which is a lot of fun. Wow, your show sounds very exciting. The whole idea is to promote philanthropy and its leaders and to get people excited about getting involved in philanthropy because I think people when they hear what other people are doing they get excited and they want to get involved and there are so many people that volunteer across the United States they may be working in a school they may be working in a store and I've seen so many people they take their spare time They have a full-time job. They take their spare time and at night they serve as volunteer ambulance drivers. They work for the American Heart Association, maybe the American Red Cross, all as a volunteer. And it's just wonderful to see all the work that's being done across the United States. And actually philanthropy in the United States goes back to the very beginning of the founding of our country. And so it's part of our culture. And one of my objectives as I move forward is to make philanthropy, of course, I can't do it alone, but to get the word out on philanthropy so that philanthropy becomes something important globally so that people all around the world will want to engage in philanthropy. Each and everyone has a great value and we all have something to offer and i truly believe that and this is not about being a billionaire with deep pockets this is about just getting out there and helping and as i said before giving is getting we should definitely bring more awareness to philanthropy i totally agree with you that's what i'm trying to do i hope that my tv show will become national and maybe even international because i'm on a mission and that mission is to spread the word on philanthropy and promote it so that others get involved and so that people can reap the benefits. Very important. And you also been a board member of several charities. Would you please tell us more about them and what are your main missions and goals? Yes, well, there are so many different great causes. The four areas that I have focused on are rights of underserved populations, secondly, health care, third, women's rights, and fourth, animal rights. When we speak about underserved populations, that means people living at or below the poverty level. When we speak about health care, I serve on the board of the Stony Brook Southampton Hospital, and I believe that health care should be available to all Right now, we're in a situation where so many people, they're afraid if they get sick, they can't go to a doctor because they can't afford a doctor because they don't have insurance. Well, I'm hoping that as we move forward, everyone will be able to see a doctor and not worry that they can't afford to see a doctor. Everyone has a right to receive health care. And the third, women's rights. Women across the globe are not treated equally to men. Many cultures look at women and think of them as second-class citizens. Well, that has to change. In our country, pay parity does not exist. Most men receive a higher salary than women do, and they're doing the same work. 
that has to change. Women's rights have to move forward. Animal rights. I happen to, in my household, we have five rescue dogs. We love these dogs very much. I am the national spokesperson for a very important program for the American Humane, and that's called Feeding the Hungry COVID-19 program. And this is a program to help feed hungry animals right now. You know, because of this pandemic, what's happened is people, when they lost their jobs, they also underwent something called food insecurity. When you don't have a job, you might not be able to pay for your food. So across the United States, we've seen a situation where we had at one point 38 million people out of work. And when you don't have a paycheck, generally you can't, you can't pay your rent. You can't pay your mortgage, you can't buy food, and you may not be able to buy supplies for your family. So, of course, if you have a pet, you may not be able to afford food for the pet. So right now, across the United States, besides people experiencing food shortages, animals also are. And many of the animal shelters across the United States are in a situation where their funding is down because of the pandemic, and they can't afford to pay for food to feed animals. So the American Humane has created a fund designed to feed one million animals across the United States. Our mission is to raise $1 million. So far, we've raised about $600,000. And if anyone wants to donate to this amazing COVID-19 fund to feed hungry animals across the United States, the website is AmericanHumane.org. As I said, I am the national spokesperson. We will reach that $1 million goal. And from there, we will continue because this pandemic is not over yet. And we want to feed every single hungry animal. So those are my four areas of interest or focus. Again, they are underserved populations, healthcare, women's rights, and animal rights. And along with those interests, I serve on boards that are involved with promoting these causes. If you want, I can go into those boards or we can save that for another time. Yeah, you can definitely share more information on the boards as well. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the boards, the first board, New York City Mission Society. We are based in New York. We are over 200 years old and we serve the most underserved children in New York City. We have after-school programs and summer programs. Right now, everything is virtual. During this pandemic, we've actually put together supply baskets to bring to all the families of the children we serve, and we are making programs available. And during non-COVID time, when the children were able to come up to our facility in Harlem at the Menacing Townhouse. We had after-school weekend and summer programs for children, and this was to supplement their education. Most of our children that went through the program end up going to college, which is amazing. And you know, New York City is a big place, and the education very two-tiered. We have the private schools that give an education on one level, and then the public schools, which um, they educate the children, but 
the education is not on the level of the private schools. So programs like what we provide, New York City Mission Society, help with equalizing the education for the children. Another board I serve on is the Southampton Hospital Association. This is for the Stony Brook Southampton Hospital. We raise money for this hospital that services the entire eastern end or the south fork of Long Island. It's a very large group that we serve and we turn no one down proud to be involved. The hospital has done a fantastic job during the pandemic. Right now, there are very few, I don't think there's anyone, maybe one or two people in the hospital who have COVID. We've been very, very careful, very low mortality rate, just very, very proud of the work. And for people that want to get involved in giving, it's Southampton Hospital Foundation. You can Google and, and give. And then I'm involved. I was on the board of the New York Women's Foundation. I've just rotated off, but I'm a co-chair of the upcoming Galler October 20th, and we raise money for women's causes to help women, again, who live out or below the poverty level. And our objective is to raise women out of poverty by making programs available to them. And when I say rotated off the board, I had to, I served a two-year term. We have term limits. That means after two years, you have to go off the board for at least a year. And I've been very involved with them. Another board I serve on is the Global Strays. This is a charity started by my youngest daughter. And Global Strays sends money to developing nations in Central America. And so we send money to Nicaragua, Colombia, and Dominican Republic. And who are we sending money to? Well, we're sending them to animal rescue groups in these countries. And they're using the money to give veterinarian services to people who have animals and then to feed the animals and then to educate the people on the proper care of the street animals. And in many places around the world, they don't look at their pets as companion animals the way we do in the United States. Their dogs are wild in the streets. And so training the people to take proper care of the animals is very important. And that's what Global Strays does. We provide funds for animal rescue groups right now, specifically in Central America. Another board I serve on is the French Heritage Society, and this is an international, another international charity. And we raise money to restore historic places in France and the United States. We also have a large scholarship fund to help provide funding for architectural students here in the United States so that they might be able to study abroad in France and then for French students sometimes to come to the United States to study. We also raised about two and a half million dollars to help with the rebuilding of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And not only does this charity help with scholarship, with historical projects, 
but it fosters a very strong bond between shelter. It's a local shelter, but it was ranked among some of the top shelters in the United States for their animal care. And, you know, when you treat an animal well, it's really a, a reflection on, on you because the animals don't have a voice for themselves. And as Gandhi said, you can judge a nation by the way it treats its animals. So it's up to us here in the United States to serve as an example to others around the world on how we treat our animals. And no one is, no country is perfect, but we are moving in the right direction. And as, as we all know, animal rights are vitally important. And so those are some of the charity boards. Oh, also the Couture Council. And the Couture Council is a charity that raises funds for the museum associated with the Fashion Institute of Technology. And I absolutely am a true fashion lover. So to be on this board is, is just a joy. It's so much fun. And at, at FIT, the museum there has many wonderful exhibits. And right now they're all virtual. So those are the boards I serve on. And then in addition, I'm involved with many other charities. Next week, I'm the chair of the Dominican Women's Development Center's Virtual Gala. Also, October, that's October 15th, October 20th, I'm a co-chair of the New York Women's Foundation Gala. In November, I'm, a, I'm the chair of the Surgeons of Hope Gala. That's a charity that sends heart surgeons to America to operate on children born with congenital heart defects, wonderful charity. And then I'm also going to be a co-chair of the French Heritage Virtual Gala. So I'm very involved and I continue to love the work. And I'm just so amazed by how many great causes you support. It's just wonderful. Well, there are so many great causes and I think there's a cause for everyone. And one of the things that I suggest to, the, to your listeners is if you're approached by a charity and you want to get involved, well, before you get involved, meet the players and do a little research. And I discuss this in my book, Successful Philanthropy, How to Make a Life by What You Give. And I will say that most charities are run professionally, but there are a few that are not so good. And it might be that their overhead is far too high. But I would say that 98% of the charities are well run. But if you're looking specifically to get very involved or make a large gift, well, there are different websites that you can go on to get a review of the larger charities. And those include GuideStar, Charity Navigator, and even the Better Business Bureau analyzes charities. And so also you should Google a charity and not only look at their website, but also read what different news publications have written about them. And I think that's very important because you'll learn more and most charities are well run, but you want to make sure that you're getting involved with a good charity. And if you're asked to be on a charity board, most charity boards want their board members to give financially, to get them new contacts, 
also to try to bring visibility, if they can, to that charity and volunteer some time. So you can get very involved in philanthropy, get very involved with being with a charity. In, in, with a specific charity, you don't have to necessarily go on a board because a board is a big commitment. I'm glad you mentioned all these details because I was curious about it. And sometimes when some charity reaches out, I definitely do my research because I want to make sure it actually goes to the right place, like the actual funds go to the right place. Well, as I said, 98% of the charities are good charities, but you can always do a little research. Yeah. Now, a lot of people try to raise money through a GoFundMe page, and those are a little harder to research. So if you're going to give through Go, a GoFundMe page, just make sure you know who you're giving to. I mean, unless I know a person or someone knows the person, I do, but otherwise... I'm kind of you don't. A bit skeptical about it. Exactly. And I only generally give when I know someone. And of course, being a public person, I'm, I receive emails all the time from people I don't know. And sometimes they ask for very large amounts of money and often it's fraud. So of course I can't give, but I like to give through reputable charities. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of reputable charities. So most charities are well run. Yeah. And being as a philanthropist, what challenges do you face the most? Well, that's a very good question. Even if I were a billionaire, Billionaire worth, or, or even you know, one of the richest people in the world. I have to say that you can't give to every single cause; it's just impossible. So I like to do. I like to focus, and I am by being involved with six different charities on six different boards, and then chairing or co-chairing sometimes as a year, and then hosting parties when in non-COVID times for other things. I am spread out in my interest. And because of that, I'm not always able to give a big gift to one group. I I wish I could, but I can't because I, I have many different interests. So that's a challenge. And the second thing is I would love to do more, but we all have a limit in our time. And so I do stay up late and I'm working but we're all limited as people so that's a challenge yeah i totally understand sometimes we want to help everyone but it's physically impossible we all have our limitations and we don't have the time and no one has the resources to give to every single person that asks or every single group that asks yeah and being a philanthropist what lessons have you learned i have done a lot of volunteer your fundraising for the charity boards that I serve on. And one of the hardest things has been to accept a no. And I, I do it graciously. And I've learned over the years, if someone says no, if you ask them, don't take it personally. And if you're going to be a volunteer fundraiser, I recommend to everyone, remember two things. Number one, you are a volunteer. and you are giving your time free. Everyone should treat you nicely. But if someone doesn't, always be gracious back and just thank them for their time. And remember, a no today can be a yes tomorrow. So if someone says no, you simply say, well, thank you very much. 
and perhaps you'll consider us next year. And remember, you can't ask the same individual weekly for a gift because they're not going to do it. So that was one thing that I've learned. And then a second thing I've learned is that, as I said before, our limitations were all limited and be positive with everyone, be positive with yourself. And one of the greatest things we can do as a a philanthropist is to bring and raise people up, especially now during this pandemic. Where do you see there is to be the most need right now? Food pantries, COVID-19 funds, and anywhere where we can help those that are having a particularly tough time, including with the animals. So right now we have, we're in the midst of a world pandemic There is massive need, like we have not seen before. And so it's our obligation to try to be helpful. And as I said before, food pantries need help. This American Humane Feed the Hungry COVID-19 Fund to feed hungry animals across the United States needs help. We've had some terrible fires in California. God bless all the people in California, we can help out there. We have a lot of people who are living at or below the poverty level right now. And we have many children living at or below the poverty level. So we need to help those that are having the most difficult time. It's definitely been the hardest year for everyone. There are so many people in need, actually, like you mentioned, animals as well. And plus, All the charity events change right now. Everything is virtual now, except I live in New York State and we are allowed where I live to have events outside for 50 people and under. Now that law could change, but right now that's what I've been doing, small events, 50 people and under. Not too many, but they have to be outside. And we're very careful. We all have to wear a mask. We have to social distance. And then in many cases, we provide cleaners so people can wash their hands. And no one's shaking hands. We're you know bumping elbows and all of that. But mask wearing is absolutely 100% required. And we're finding that people are following the law. What I'm seeing is that I love to give big parties. And a few years ago, I was ranked on a list of 100 top party givers in the United States. And that was reported in Town and Country. It was on a website and Town and Country magazine picked it up. And because of this pandemic, I've stopped all of that. And I'm having very small gatherings and I'm being very careful, but they'll all come back. I think we may have to wait another year. I'm not sure. But now's not the time to do any sort of big entertaining. The key is to stay within the law and to be respectful of others. And as much as you might want to give a party, remember, if you put your guest at risk, you're not doing anyone a favor. So I say just follow the law and we'll get through this and the the parties will come back. And For those people that love to give little parties, do it outside. You don't have to have a fancy big meal right now. No one's judging others. So by bringing small groups together and being really careful, right now that's perfect. That's great that you're keeping all the precautions. And also some people are being still kind of concerned about it. They don't even, still don't even go to the events. So it's just, it's really hard right now to host any kind of event. Very difficult. People do what they're comfortable 
with, but I think as a host or hostess, we have an, an obligation to keep our guests safe. And we put right on an invitation, mask required. And often we have masks available in case someone forgets a mask. And it's just the way it has to be right now. But we have to follow the law. We have strict laws in my state. And I'm glad we do because we don't want the numbers to go up. And they say that we will have a big second wave if people don't follow the law. Yeah, I'm glad you guys got way better because right now in Georgia, it's not a, even, it's worse than in New York. Well, if we all support one another, wear a mask, social distance, and wash our hands, we can all reduce our risk of getting COVID dramatically. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you're such a fashionista and you wear those amazing gowns on your red carpet events. Who are they designed by? I know you mentioned it before a little bit in this episode, but would you please tell us more in details? Yes, well, I absolutely love style and fashion. And of course, right now there are no red carpets. They're virtual. Well, there are a few small events, but my favorite designers, well, I have many. I love, I love all fashion, but I do have a large gown collection that I plan to donate to a museum one day. And I have focused primarily on American designers when purchasing the gowns. And those fashion designers include Oscar de la Renta, Caroline Herrera. So he's a fabulous couturier, not as well known as the others. He primarily does individual pieces. B. Michael, he's a black fashion designer based here in New York. And then I have older pieces by Mary McFadden, a New York fashion designer. Also, uh, Zach Posen, he's no longer designing. He closed his door in February, but I expect that he'll be back. He is a spectacular designer. Zhang Choi, another designer. And most recently, I've been collecting pieces from Milan Breton. He's based in London. He's a lord there. He holds a lot of titles. He's an ambassador of fashion and all sorts of things. So this collection is large, and I've amassed it over many years. And I started to catalog it and then the pandemic began and so I had to stop but I'll start that again and I hope to write a book about the collection a coffee table book right now yeah it's interesting it's very it's exciting and but right now uh, mostly in fashion we're seeing a lot of homeware very relaxed oversized looks because most of us we're really not going out the way we used to i used to go out four and five times a week uh, to big charity galas in new york city and those parties are all virtual now and i have gotten dressed up to stay at home a few times put on a gown and that was kind of fun and on my Instagram, which is at Jean Sharoff, at J-E-A-N-S-H-A-F-I-R-O-F-F, you can see me dancing with the computer and I'm wearing an Oscar de la Renta gown. And that was for the Angel Ball a few weeks ago. It was a little crazy, but I had fun. <laughs> That's funny. 
I always yeah, like to dress up at home sometimes too. Why not? You know, if it cheers us up, and I think it made me, it, it was a happy, happy moment. And I continue to get dressed up, but not the way I used to. The whole look now is more relaxed. And we're all buying a lot on the internet now because going into the stores, I think, is less that we're all doing. And I think it's very important to support the fashion industry now and the designers because, you know, the fashion industry employs millions of people around the world. And so if you do have the means, it's, it's nice to continue to support your favorite designers, if you can. We will get through this. And so the clothing you wear now, I think the pieces are more timeless. And if you buy things this year, well, you'll wear them again next year. I wear and keep my things for a year, and then I add every year. If you have beautiful pieces and you want to donate, that's a beautiful thing to do. And I'm getting ready to go through my closet and give away pieces so that other people can enjoy them. Why not? I've had the pleasure of enjoying them. I never sell anything. I give them away. Since I've had that pleasure, I want someone else to have that pleasure. I give away my clothing on a regular basis all the time because, you know, as an influencer and blogger, we get a lot of it. Some of it even new and never worn. I just have a lot of it. Of course, I love to donate it all the time. Yes, and I I've bought... Uh, most of my clothing and of course people will give me things from time to time but as someone who has been referred to as a fashion icon I think it's my obligation to support the fashion industry and so I do yeah I definitely all the designers you described they're my favorites too they're just amazing Yes, I love fashion. I also think the European designers are great and the young new designers. It's very important to support the young designers. And recently I was the MC of an event called Times Square Fashion Week. And this was an event on September 8th in Times Square in New York City. And it was a real honor to be, serve as the MC of this event. We only had 50 people present. It was only for the fashion designers. We had seven different fashion designers, their models, and the press only. And then the Manhattan Borough President, Gail Brew, she was invited. She was a speaker. So as the MC and guest of honor, for me, it was a great pleasure to be involved. It was really exciting. We had this spectacularly beautiful day, and here we were in the middle of Times Square, and it was a platform for many young designers who are extremely talented, just starting out their career. And if you Google Times Square Fashion Week, you'll, you'll get lots of different press on. Ask we were wearing, all the proceeds went to City Harvest, which is a charity that feeds people in need in New York City. So not only was it a fashion show, but it was a charity event. Very exciting. Times Square Fashion Week. I wore an Oscar de la Renta dress. It was sort of very interesting. It had um, lots of, not ruffles, but fringe. And then I wore matching high white leather gloves, off-white. The dress was off-white and the gloves were off-white and it was an exciting moment. Anytime we can um, support and promote young fashion designers, I think it's a great thing to do. We need to support one another. Yeah, that's true. We do. 
And for those who want to get involved with philanthropy, how do you start and what advice can you give? Yes, well, choose first a cause that interests you. And I say to people, say, for example, someone in your family or a loved one had breast cancer. Well, you might want to get involved with a charity that's doing breast cancer research. And this way, you'll feel like you're helping find a cure and you will be helping. That's one way. Or if you have a friend maybe who has a child who maybe has a learning disability, well, you might want to get involved with a charity that supports children who have learning disabilities. If you're interested in underserved populations and feel, well, so many people right now are living in poverty. I want to help these people. Well, then get involved with a charity that addresses poverty. Go on the internet. And then also it's a good idea to try to find a charity that's local so that if they have an office nearby, you might be able to do some volunteer work. And if you have friends that are all involved with a charity, it's nice to do something with them. Across the United States, we have so many different charities. A lot of people like to donate their time at an animal shelter and be with the animals. They go out, they walk the dogs, they assist with adoptions. What interests you? And then do research on a charity that addresses that interest. For those that have enormous wealth, many people like to get involved in impact giving. And what is impact giving? It's making one large donation to a specific charity for a specific program to really promote a cause to move something forward. If you have millions to give, you might want to fund a school. You might want to fund a specific program that addresses women's rights. There are a million different things you can do. You might want to fund the wing of a hospital. These are great things to do. Someone like Michael Bloomberg gave over a billion dollars to John Hopkins University and it's been instrumental in promoting education. And I think that's fantastic. Here is a man with billions of dollars and he's using that money to give away. I think it's great. Recently, uh, Jeff Bezos, one of the largest food programs in the United States, Feeding America gives to about 200 different food pantries across the United States. It's a great charity. Jeff Bezos, by doing this, did a great thing. So there are so many different ways that people can help. And remember, if it's just that you're giving time, well, time is so valuable because by giving your time, you can, you can change many, many lives and never underestimate the value. Yeah, you provided this information and you explained everything in details. And where can our listeners find you? Your social handles, all your information? Yes, it's at Jean Shafiroff, and that's at J-E-A-N-S-H-A-F-I-R-O-F-F. And on my Instagram, I have about 580,000 followers right now. My desire is to be fun, to motivate people and also to promote fashion. But I think right now 
it's very important to be uplifting to people and address what we're all going through. And my recommendation to any influencer is think about what you put out there. Right now, we're all in this pandemic together. And by giving advice on how to live your life during this pandemic, it's a very good thing. And that's what I strive to do. To Thanks. encourage people and and to motivate people and to uplift people. Yeah, thank you so much. It was my pleasure and it's such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for being my guest. And thank you. And I just hope that this was helpful. I'm happy to come back on again. And remember, we all have so much to offer. And if you're feeling a little down, well, you know what I suggest? If you feel like you're homebound and a lot of us are, Try at least every day, go out for a walk, do something every day for a few minutes that you like to do. And if you're starting to feel a little blue, put the TV on for a few minutes or do something that you love. And, and don't be hard on yourself right now. Also try to show one act of kindness, at least one act of kindness a day. And that will make you feel good too. And of course, if you're involved in philanthropy, keep giving. If you're thinking about getting involved, remember that any one of us can be a philanthropist. If you give your time, your knowledge, and if you have available resources, you must give because each one of us has something great to offer. And on that note, thank you very much for this wonderful interview. A lot of good things with your podcast. And I really have to thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. So honored. Thank you. And thank you, Ola. And thank you all for listening. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Just to remind you, Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. And you can always find me on Instagram. It's Not Basic Blonde underscore or NBB podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy your day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.